0: it says in Matthew that if two of you agree while touching anything whatever you ask it says my father in heaven will give that to you do you ask for do you wake up in the morning and say God I, I don't want to just make it through the day I want to have enough wisdom anointing I want to have uh, enough mercy and grace in my life I want to have enough guidance that I, I, can, I can pour it out to the, I don't want to be the person who has to run back and charge myself up every few minutes. I want God to pour out that strength of my life that's more than enough, that's farther, farther than where I am today and taking me into what he wants me to be. We, we talked on Wednesday night about following after him and a little message called Going Steady. And, and it, you know, I, there were a couple of scriptures that, I, that just stuck to me on Wednesday. And I wanted to encourage you because I felt like for this summer, we follow after him. And you know, it's it's difficult to follow somebody in a town where you don't know where you're going, and it's busy, it's it's, it's traffic, it's Bucky, you know, as you drive buses all over the country, you get down the middle of downtown, and there's, there's highways everywhere, and there's there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cars all around you, everybody's honking, it's rush hour, you don't know where you're going, but you're trying to follow the person that's in front of you. It's it's difficult to do. But I'm telling you, if 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 we just get quiet in this season, God's gonna lead us and guide us like he never has before. And in Matthew chapter four, Jesus Was talking to a couple of the disciples before they had come to become disciples, and he said to them, "Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." Many times, I think we're trying to be what God called us to be instead of following who He is. If we follow Jesus, it says He'll make you fishers of men. That's what He told the disciples, and so I want to encourage you in that. And today, I want to just talk a little bit about overflow and abundance. It says in Deuteronomy, and you can look in chapter twenty-eight. There are two verses there that, that we go to, and many times we talk about Deuteronomy 28 and all the blessings and things that are in there for us. And, ver- and chapter 28 begins to outline all of those things. It begins to tell us about the blessings in our field and the blessings in our house and the blessings on our hand and all of those things. But it's this, this idea. Have you, did you see on the news a few months ago, there was the, they called it an ice tsunami in Minnesota. And, and they had this big lake. And it had ice on it. But all of a sudden, as the winds began to blow in one direction, it it basically took the big ice shelf and began to move it on shore. And as it began to move on shore, it began to break up. And then it began to kind of form a little mountain-type thing. Then it became a sail. And the wind continued to push that. And that ice came not just onto the shore... But it came up into the homes. Now, it was destructive. What God's going to do as he overtakes you isn't destructive. But but it went over the top of houses, went around houses, and, and just began to fill. Nothing could stop what was happening. I'm telling you, when God begins to pour out his love, to pour out his mercy and his grace in your life, you have to be willing to receive it, but nothing can stop it. Nothing that you're going through, nothing that comes against you can stop that outpouring of what God has for you. And in that place in Minnesota, the ice overtook everything. They had to get the big heavy front loaders, the big diggers and all those things, and the trucks. They had to try to haul it all out. It, it, it happens every now and then. But it was, it was a, an ice tsunami. It just came on and it overtook the whole area. And it's, it's amazing to watch. You can go home and check it out on Google and look at the videos. And you can hear it. There's sound to it. It, it begins to sound a little bit like a train coming as it continues to roll on short. It begins to pick up steam. And, and, and people were, they hadn't seen this. The old timers had, but most of the people there had never seen this. And they're, said, is going on? But it just kept coming and coming. And you saw them go, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And they looked back and they said, it's going through the house. It's breaking through the doors. They're all looking and it's, it's just coming everywhere. And they couldn't stop it. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1 says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations on the earth. And all these blessings that he goes on to talk about through verse 14, all these blessings, it says, shall not just come upon you, but they will overtake you. That the blessing of God will overtake you that there's nothing that you're going to be able to do to stop that overwhelming overflow of the blessings of God. But we have to follow his word. He lines that up in verse one. But it says, they will overtake us because we obey the voice of God. You will be overtaken by something. It's up to you, it's up to me to decide what that is And, and it says here in verse one that if we follow his word when verse two says we'll be overtaken by his blessings but in verse 15 it says if you don't follow his word you'll be overtaken by the curse. Now Jesus has come onto the cross to be a curse for us but what that says to us in the New Testament church is the enemy will be able to run over us in this particular life even though it's New Testament, even though you're a believer, even though you're filled with the spirit, even though you go to church, but see, it matters who you follow. And if you're not, Jesus said, if you're not with me, you're against me. And if you don't sow with me, you scatter the sheep or the field. I'm, I'm just telling you, you may think, well, I'm not following the enemy. Okay, but are you following God? Because if you're not following God, then you're following the enemy. Well, I would never do that. I understand. I understand. But we all have those things in our life that God's asking us to do, to, to, to take us to the next level, to sacrifice or to go on. And, and on the inside of us, we just can't seem to get there. We, just, we face pressure and stress and all those things that come against us. And we're a little nervous and we're afraid and all those things. And it keeps us from moving forward. Well, if you won't go forward, you're not following him. We have to go forward in him. His love is absolutely all-encompassing. It's just like that ice. It will not just come onto the shore. It will not just come to your house. It will go into the doors. It will go around your house. It will go up and begin to cover the top of your house. His love, as he pours it out, that overflow of his love will begin to surround you. And when that, I'm telling you, that is an overtake. His love is a powerful force. It says in Romans, in chapter 8, in verse 35, it says, Who shall separate us from The love of God—that His love will absolutely—that there was nowhere for these people to go. The ice came on shore, came up to the top of their house, through the doors of their house, and around their house. Some of them looked like little igloos, and all you can see were like the second-story windows. With the ice coming all around, it just was creaking and cracking and just continued to go. The love of God will absolutely encompass you. And what happens is, as you open yourself up to Him, pouring that into your life, you become one with Him. I think sometimes we understand that in marriage when we say, Will you take this man to be your husband? Will you take this woman to be your wife? To become one flesh. And we go, yeah, yeah, I mean, we will. But realize, we go on and share, and I share about the mystery that it is that, that not just what God does in marriage, it's the idea and the power behind that is the fact that he does it in your life and my life. That his love, it attaches itself to you, and you become his love. That's an overflow of who he is on the inside of you. And it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulations, distress, persecutions, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? then he goes on in verse 38 and says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from that thing. He will overtake you. He will pour it out in your life. And nothing, we try to, we want to keep things separate, See, we talk about in this this, this country separation of church and state. Well, I I understand that, but you don't see that very often. It's not not like on billboards and everything else. The church doesn't have to be separate. We separate it. See, in your life, you don't have to be separated from the love of God, but we separate ourselves. See, all of these things can't separate us. Distress, despair, wars, tribulation, persecution, all that stuff that he lists here in verse 35. They can't separate you from his love, but but we can. And we're not looking to do that. You're not looking to do that because there's power in his love. And if you're in his love and if you're in that power, you abide in him, it says in John chapter 15, talks about abiding in the vine. As you abide in him and he abides in you, you'll bear fruit. Where does that fruit come from? The outpouring and the overflow of his love. It begins to fill you up, and then what happens? It goes down through the branches and it comes out on the ends as what? Fruit. He talks about it there. The word abide means to, to remain. We, we remain in him. Will we allow him to encompass us that way? Because when we separate ourselves from it, just as he says in that particular chapter, in, ver- in chapter 15 of John, he says as you separate it, you're not worth anything. That the branch withers and it dies and it gets thrown onto the fire and it's not good for anything but kindling. But if you stay attached to the vine, even if you don't see fruit, it says that the good the good vine dresser the vi- the comes by and he picks that up and he puts it up on top so it gets more light so it can grow more fruit. He takes the ones that are making fruit and he goes over and he begins to prune them and he chips them and he cuts them and he does these things. Why? So they can produce more fruit, right. overflow. In that seed that God has planted in your life is the potential to take care of everything that you need from now to the end. On the inside of you. He planted that seed on the inside of you. It's powerful. It's powerful. And in that seed is that ability. What do you mean? He, he says, if you'll if you allow this seed to grow, if you'll allow this, this, this vine to begin to grow, and if you'll stay attached to the vine, which comes from the seed, if you'll stay attached to the vine, you'll bear much fruit. And in that process, he will prune you and he will clip you and you will bear even more fruit that in those moments and in those times and in those seasons where we don't feel very fruitful, he says, I love you and I have an abundance for you and I'm going to help you get to that place and he begins to put you in a different spot. In, in, in my life, that's always an opportunity where I've gotten my eyes focused on me. I begin to think about how I can make it work, how I can, I can financially do it, how I can afford to whatever that is. And he says, why don't you just relax Trust me and allow me to do it in your life. It's not you who does it. It's him who, have you ever tried to make fruit? I mean, if you put your, I mean, I, you know, you go out and you talk to that tomato plant. Come on, buddy. I need tomatoes now. Now, I don't always eat tomatoes. I don't necessarily like them. But Elizabeth plants one every year. And, and, and it, it, it takes for, I go out there and she says, go water it. Why? There is nothing on it. It's this big, it's green, and it doesn't have anything on it. We'll keep watering it. Why? Because it's going to have tomatoes. No, it won't. It's a tomato plant. It comes from the seed. The ability to reproduce that thing that's on the inside is in there. It's been planted in the ground, and it is growing. It just needs time. But then eventually... I don't know if we plant them wrong or not, but eventually, late summer sometime, around October, we start getting tomatoes that come on that thing, but then there's so many of them at that point, you don't know what, you can't eat them all, there's so many. So you're pulling them, you're giving them, we, around here we have tomatoes and cucumbers and people bring them in all the time and they're always in the, in the bookstore back there on the table out here, people are giving them, why? Because there's too much fruit. There's too much fruit from the seed and in your life, do you see yourself as having too much fruit? Do you see yourself as having more than enough, that overflow? Do you see yourself being overtaken by his blessings? Absolutely overtaken. As you follow him and what he has for you, he begins to overtake you with his anointing. And it begins to, it's like that wind. It begins to push you into places that you didn't think you could go. If you look in Ephesians in chapter chapter three, there's a, a scripture in here that talks about, and we usually go to the end. We go to the end in verse, in verse 19, and we begin to talk about the fact that he can do exceedingly more. He can do exceedingly more than what we ask, think, or hope. Uh, we go to that scripture in 19 all the time, but if we go back in the beginning and, and start to read this, it's Paul as he's praying for, for the Ephesians. He says, listen, for this cause or for this reason, I get on my knees today, and I pray for you that see like a couple of weeks ago last week we talked about is there not a cause the, the the cause that's on the inside of you that thing that god has around you for you to walk in and to do that cause is bigger than you we said that cause opens up opportunity that cause isn't always convenient that cause comes with giants we said you can't over you can't avoid them but you'll overcome them it's overflow overcome overtake When you hear about the enemy, it's always that negative stuff where he steals and he kills and he destroys. But when you talk about God, it's always about over, more than enough, overtake, overflow. It's always about that side of it. And it says that Paul will get down on his knees, he said, and I will pray to my father, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, verse 16, that he would grant you. Grants are free. I went to school. And, and uh, uh, we didn't have any money, and, and we filled out our financial aid form, and we had we had little little ones, and and when they sent me back my thing, it said that there were loans, and then it said this thing Pell Grant, and so I went to the little lady and said what what is that what is a what is a Pell Grant? She gave me this big check, and I said well this is fantastic. What am I supposed to do with this? She said whatever you want, and I said well do I have to pay it back? No. You have to use it for your schooling or whatever you need so that you can go to school. It's your money. Hold on, man. Free money. How many of these can I get? I'll fill that format again. I, I, I quickly understood what it meant to be granted something. It was mine. Because of who I was, because of what I'd gone through. See, it's all all based on your family situation and on your finances and on the things that are happening in your house so that you can what? Do something. See, the grant comes to you because of who you are, but it's supposed to take care of your needs so that you can do something else. Well, I work, you know, part-time, but I can't work if I go to school, so this money helps you not have to do that so you could do something else. When God begins to grant you, like Paul says here, he's going to grant you according to his riches of, of, in his glory to be strengthened with a might through his spirit in the inner man, a dunamis might and power that he puts on the inside of you that he grants to you because he understands and knows that your weakness is useless in this life in which you live. But if he will grant you his strength, if he will give it to you, see, he says, and in, in, in Paul also says, you know, hey, in, in my weakness I am made strong by what? His grace, And so here it says, Paul says, I pray that he grants you, that he gives you, according to your situation, according to your weakness, he grants you supernatural, dunamis power, strength. Why? Not so you can just stand here where you are or sit in your house, so that you can follow him. And when he grants that stuff, Unlike the government, when they give you money like that, it's not necessarily always enough. But when he grants that to you, it is more than enough. The world can only give you, in that particular situation, what you can use. The rules say that. They're not supposed to give you more than you need. They're not supposed to give you more than enough. The government always gives you just a little less than you need. It's always a little short, but God doesn't do that. He's over, overflow, more than enough, overtake, abundance. And so when he grants you that, it's more than enough for you and for I in our lives. And in this case, he says, an abundance of strength. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in what? Love, just like the seed we said, as you abide in the vine, the vine grows from the seed. The seed grows what? Not just up, but grows roots, and it gets all of its nourishment, it gets all of the things that it needs to be able to grow that fruit from where? The roots. I hope so, Carl, am I right? I mean, you you know this more than I do. So, (laughs) see, it says you need to be, I need to be, not just strengthened Granted strength because of who I am to do what he called me to do. Not just granted that, but to become rooted and grounded. Why? Because if you're not rooted and grounded, that strength will disappear. What's strength in this case? It's fruit. He says, I'm going to, God's going to grant you this strength. He's going to put this fruit on your vine. But you must remain rooted and grounded in his love. And if you are, you may be able to comp, now this is great, verse 18, because I think people say, I don't know what to do, I don't have the ability to do it, I'm not strong enough, I'm not sure if I can even make it. Well, this word says that you can be strong enough, it says you'll know enough, and it says you can make it because his love will sustain you. He prays that he grants us that strength, that we can be rooted and grounded in love, and that we may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes not all knowledge that we may be filled with all fullness. Fullness. Then it goes on and it says, he's, he's not saying that, these, that we'll be full of God. It doesn't say that, that we're going to have the, that. Ex, he said God is able to do in verse 19. He says that I thank the God my Father that he is able to in our life pour out, overflow, more than enough, abundance. It says that he can pour out exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask and all that we think. According to what? The power that works where? Within us. What did Paul, what was his first prayer? See, the exceeding abundantly above all we can hope, think, ask, dream, those things that we say, that only works according to his power, where? In us. And Paul said, I pray that God grants you power. That power brings exceeding abundance in your life. It has to be there. I pray that God grant you power, dunamis power, that strength to go on. And what that is, is good ground for the exceeding abundant riches of Christ and his mercy and his grace to flow through you. Overtake. Overflow. Exceedingly above all you can ask, all you can think. We say all you can dream and hope and all those different things. And I know it doesn't always look like that, but in Isaiah 54, I just have that, that, that scripture in Ephesians and the scripture in, 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 in Isaiah 54. We've talked about this. We've gone through this. You know this scripture too. But I think it's important for us to come back and just, just reread it, to look at it again. Because we know that this is what Paul is saying to us, and he says that God's going to grant it to you, which means it's going to be free, that he's going to put it on the inside of you according to you and your situation and where you are. You're not going to get somebody else's strength. You're not going to get somebody else's supply. You're not going to get somebody else's thing for you. You may get somebody else's supply for them, and you may be the conduit that God uses to get it to them, but you can't... I, I, you, know, you sit there many times and say, God, I need a new car like Sally Sue got. Sally Sue got... She just got a new car, right? You got it? Not yet. On the way. On the way. She's been putting that on her prayer request for years. I've read that for years. I need a new car. I need a new car. I need a new car. My car isn't making it. And we keep praying. But you know what has happened up until that point? Her car's made it. And until God brings that new thing onto the scene or that different thing onto the scene, he will continue to help the thing that you have be enough. You don't go without, you don't lack, he continues to make it be enough. And in Isaiah in 54, he begins to talk, he begins to prophesy to the barren one. It's the one that doesn't have anything, and the one that's barely making it, and the one that says, oh, I want children, but I can't have them. And he says, but oh to you, oh barren woman, sing. Well, nobody wants to sing. Sing. Do you want to rejoice when you don't have a car and you need a car when your car's making all kinds of crazy noises and it drops all kinds of stuff on the road? Is that a time? But he says, sing. Smile. Run the PowerPoint. Be here every service. Spend time in the Word. Share the gospel everywhere you go. But I need a car, God. Sing. What does that do when you sing? It expands. It enlarges your tent. This thing that Terry took, Terry Henshaw, down there to Moore, this is 20,000 feet. It is giant. It's huge. It's not a pup tent. It's not a little two-man tent. This thing is 20,000 square feet inside of there. It is ginormous. It houses an entire operation. Everything that he does for the 99 as far as bringing people into the kingdom of God all goes and works on the inside of this tent. It is pulled out. It is stretched. It is taut. It is up in the air, and it is grounded. It's not going anywhere. This scripture says in Isaiah 54 that we're supposed to sing but not just that, it says, burst into song and shout for joy. For you were never, for you who were never in labor, because more are the children of your desolate woman than he who has a husband. Basically, says, you haven't had it yet, but you're going to have more than those that do. Right. You, you haven't seen that thing yet, but it's going to be more than you ever thought, more than you ever hoped, more than you ever, would you ever have thought it would have been a brand new car? I mean, you were just hoping for a car that was different than your car that worked all the time. But God knows the, d- the desires. He knows the things that are going on in your life. It says that his power that's on the inside of you is able to work exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask, hope, or think. Well, here's the deal. What do you ask, hope, and think? Because if it's only this big, you need to enlarge. When I said in the beginning, do you really believe that God can overflow, overtake, pour into your life more than enough? What is that for you? See, what is more than enough? He goes on in verse 2 and he says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Don't let smallness hold you back. Don't let barely getting by hold you back. You don't want a D minus, which means pass, which means graduate." you want an A God's not going to give you just enough to squeak by it says that if you'll enlarge your thinking if you'll enlarge your tent and I know many times we look at this thing and we say it's just a pup tent it's only like 8 by 8 it can't get any larger yeah it can supernatural supernatural supernaturally it can grow we're limited in the material that we can touch and feel and that we have a revelation of but are you unlimited in the word of god and the revelation that you have in him See, are you because that is unlimited don't limit what god can do in your life by what you can see and touch in the natural See, too many times we well, it was only this big so you know what god i mean if you could just make this thing that's this big be okay i'd be all right ah he wants to blow the doors off the place power windows power locks you don't have to do this anymore that's <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's more than enough but he says it's up to you and it's up to me he says we we have to be the ones who sing we have to be the ones who spread it out Enlarge your tent. Don't let small people hold you back. Don't let small thinking hold you back. Don't be limited by what you can see, feel, and touch in this earth and your revelation of those materials and of those things. How this world works has nothing to do with how God works in your life. See the government says you can only have this much. The government says this for your grant. But I am telling you what, somehow God got us through that situation. We did get a grant, but there was more than enough in our house during that time. It didn't seem like we had an abundance, but we had enough for everything that God called us to. But you have to be the one who can enlarge your you have to be the one who says, "Okay, God, is this, this tent's getting bigger?" It's getting larger. He says, enlarge your tent. Then he goes on and he says, stretch your tent curtains wide. Stretch. Stretch forward in this summer. Stretch forward in these next few months. Stretch into what God wants you to be, what God wants you to do. Get out of your comfort zone. We don't like to stretch because when you stretch, it puts you on the edge and it's uncomfortable. Well, you can't have more than enough without going past the edge. He says, lengthen your cords, lengthen your reach, lengthen your relationships, not not for you and who you are, but for what God wants to do in your life. See, lengthen your cords is a reach out and touch thing. Lengthen your reach into people's lives. Don't be limited, not in the things you have, but in the people that you reach. Lengthen them And then it says the last part And this is important Strengthen your stakes Strengthen your stakes When Terry first got this tent He was playing it by ear Because he, he didn't he, you know He's not a circus guy He's never had a tent And so he, you know, he, he puts this thing up And he's, he's got this tent In these parking lots and they use the big stakes, you know And they drive them into the concrete And they, you know, they're down in the concrete and they, they, the, t- the tent is tethered to those things So it's supposed to stay on the ground But he said, man, in, in some storms In some big storms it, it would begin to hover It would start to come up And it would start, it would start to separate from the ground and he said we we were we would get calls in the middle of the night and we would all our security guy would call and say hey the tent's leaving it's not in a truck so you want to come get it and uh, i mean this is a twist is huge we couldn't put we couldn't i mean it would it would it would go from almost that side to this side and from over there to over there road to road i mean it is it's a giant tent almost so so he, they would drive to it and they would tie it to all of their trucks and cars And it would be trying to get away, and their trucks and cars would be kind of giving a little shake. But, but it kind of what he learned was, I I need to make these, I need to strengthen these stakes. I need to somehow. I don't want to get up at two o'clock in the morning and tie the tent to my car. As God begins to overtake you, as He as He begins to come in that way, He's not. It's not going to push you away. It's not going to ruin who you are because your your stakes are strengthened in the foundation of the Word. So he did a little research, and he bought these big square pods that are about five by five by about four. And they're these gigantic pods, and they're full of water. They're like 500 gallons. It's about 4,000 pounds per pod. And now those, I don't know how many he has, like 40 of them or something, all around that tent. And now the tent's not just staked into the ground. It is tied to the firm foundation. It's not going. He said, it's not going anywhere. And I knew that. I've seen it. He's told me that a bunch of times. I was just with him in April, and he showed me. I said, I've seen that before, sir. He said, no, but it's really great. My tent doesn't fly away. I said, I I know. No, you don't understand. I don't have to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and and tie this to my car. I I understand. It's really cool. And he's been there and more for a couple weeks. And when the tornado came through on Friday, I thought, he said, That thing could stand any storm. So I sent him a little text. Sir, everybody okay? Everything's great. Tent still standing? Still standing. He's right. Enlarge. Enlarge your thinking in this season. Sing, you who were barren. See? Stretch out those cords in your reach. Strengthen your stakes. Allow God to grant you the power that it takes on the inside of you to see the exceeding and abundant goodness, mercy, and grace of God poured into your life. Amen. Let's stand up and pray this morning.
1: We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask You to reveal Yourself to me. I want to know You. I ask You to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with You. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at VictoryLafayette.org.